And I try to leave people with a definition of success I leave you guys with. The definition of success that I use that was embedded in my head at Rutgers was the peace of mind you get knowing you did everything you could to be the best you could be. Welcome to another edition of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports, disruption, media, innovation, entrepreneurship, all different kinds of stuff. I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, here we are at the end of November 2021. Oh, my God. And, and when this show comes out, it'll be the first week of December, which means we're going to be weeks away from our six-year anniversary, which I think we referenced last time, just so hard to believe. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that's a great milestone. It's been such a such a, a, a fun journey over the last six years doing these shows and yeah. having all these interesting conversations. So thank you. It's been great well, working with you. We're about to have another one. How about I know, that? I know, very good one today. So um, with no further ado, other than a late yeah. uh, belated happy Thanksgiving to you and to our guest, mm-hmm. we'll introduce Thanks. you'll introduce now. Yep. So um, you know, Tom, we haven't we've done some stuff in the college space. We haven't really touched on NIL. You know how much we love talking to young entrepreneurs who literally figure it out as they go along and and create and inspire for the people around them. Uh, And one of those people who I've always admired from afar, and we have a lot of mutual friends, is Eric Legrand. Uh, Eric is a philanthropist, has overcome unbelievable obstacles from when he was a football player at Rutgers and was injured, but has inspired millions has launched a clothing line, has a coffee line, has really created a really unique NIL program, which is benefiting Rutgers athletes uh, and makes us all around, makes everyone around him just better every day. Hard to say. We haven't had many guests, Tom, whether I can say that about, including you and I. Yeah. Uh, but Eric, well, Legrand, well, 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 go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. One of the really interesting things about Eric um, is that you mentioned philanthropist, but I noticed on his website, uh, that he actually has five titles, Joe. I don't know if we've talked to anybody that's five titles. So here, in order, I think yeah. this is order, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, sports analyst, philanthropist, and author. So you forgot four of his roles so far. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. Anyway, so Eric Legrand, welcome to the Cusp Show. Thank you guys for having me. I do appreciate it. Eric, um, without, people can easily find out the, find out the details about your injury and how you've overcome it. Um, but when you look back now on, on the career path that you've taken, what have been some of the biggest surprises or your biggest achievements when you look and say, man, I can't believe that I did that? Well, I was still, to this day, my biggest achievement, I said, was graduating from college because a lot of people just automatically think that Rutgers gave me my degree. And I only had 60 credits at the time. But my injury, I had to get another 60. I actually started taking classes via Skype that January and I was Skyping to a three hour lecture hall. And I remember just taking the classes and then someone would take notes from me, email them over to me. And I would use this software called Dragon Natural Speaking. And I had to learn how to talk to the computer and navigate around. And, you know, those days weren't easy. Once I got out of Kessler, going to tutoring sessions, doing 8 a.m. classes or a 610 classes at night, rushing out from therapy, it was it was tough. It wasn't easy. It wasn't always fun. But my biggest accomplishment, I still say, is graduating from my degree in labor relations from Rutgers University in 2014. So was labor relations. Did you have any inkling, Eric, beyond? I know you had a desire maybe to advance your football career. But did you have any inkling where you might want to go 
professionally, business-wise, beyond sports? Uh, my dream was always to go to the NFL, retire, become a sports broadcaster. That was my dream. I used to love watching Chris Berman on ESPN as a kid growing up. Then I, you know, grew, grew fond of uh, Kirk Herbstreit and, and his uh, work with the college football game. And I just wanted to be that. Like, that right. was my goal and that was my dream. And then, obviously, things got flipped and turned upside down in 2010. But that was always my goal from, from a child. Until, right. But when you had those last 60 credits so the second half, did that make you rethink what courses you want to take, what, what you might want to study in, in anticipation of a professional non-sports playing career? It did. I, I was thinking, do I go into criminal into, into, into criminal justice where I can learn maybe how to run my own security company? Do I want to go that route or, you know, try to get into the police force or doing some sort of FBI, CSI where I thought about that. But then I kind of, it really didn't intrigue me as much as, you know, I thought it would. So then I said, you know, let me try labor relations. I can go many ways with it. It's, it's I mean, it's labor. It's work. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I was learning about you know, different th- things that I thought I was going to be learning about. And there was a lot of case studies and things that had nature, why laws were put into place. But overall, I said, you know what? I could use this degree. And I feel like I could still go out there and be whatever I want to, you know, to be whatever, you know, comes my way or whatever I think of. I can use it like that. And that's why I said, you know, labor relations was kind of just the perfect fit for me. I always think it's, or my parents have always said it's amazing that I graduated from college, so I could appreciate that as well. But uh, <laughs> um, Eric, you've been, you know, people have for, you know, whether you want the accolades or not, have always taken to you for your inspirational story. One of the things I always ask people, I'd like to ask people when they come on who've, who've gone to a higher level, who inspired you and who do you draw in for inspiration from? Well, it all depends. You know, one, my mother has always inspired me because Growing up in a single parent household, my dad was lived in a town over from me, moved out when I was five years old. And, you know, he always supported me. He was at all my games, things like that. But my mom raised me. My mom grew me into who I am today, you know, and was always on top of me and pushed me. And I always wanted to be that person. Be like, you know what? I was able to retire my mom. I was able to do this for her, you know, be able to do that. And now, obviously, with my injury, she still helps me a lot. So it's still that motivation is still there to do whatever I can, you know, not only financially, but just mentally, you know, be able to put her at peace and know that her son has given his all his effort. You know, he, you know, I'm working my butt off each and every day, just going out there and be the best that I can be and be the son that she raised. So that's kind of my motivation on everything that I do and around it. And then I have a few others, like a, another man by the name of Adam Telefaro who was a Penn State football player who had a paralyzing injury in the early 2000s. And doctors told him that he would never do this and never do that. And my God, my man walked out on Beaver Stadium at Penn State a year and a half later, I believe, first Miami Hurricanes. And the stuff that he's doing in his life now, you know, getting into the politics, beautiful family, nice house down in South Jersey. And it's just inspiring to see and know that, you know what, anything is possible. So uh, part of that had to be um, your decision-making process that you had when you graduated from Rutgers. Like, how did you decide what to do? It sounds like you had developed some big ambitions in terms of using your newfound uh, celebrity, in, in essence, uh, as your follow-up to become a motivational speaker and to help with uh, the philanthropy, you know, with the partnership with the Reeve Foundation and stuff like that. But 
did you actually kind of map out a, a, a business path for yourself? I actually did it. It's funny that you asked that because Tom, the way that it happened was I was always the leader of the team, the hype man, the one that's, you know, talking to Energizer Bunny. As I got hurt and my story started to continue and I started to improve and things started to happen and going against all odds, people wanted to hear more. So they, I was like, I'm, I'm like, you know what? I need to tell my story vocally mm-hmm. and also with a book that I wrote in 2012. But as I continue to get better and then, you know, people just saw who I was more in my personality, they wanted more from me and they want to know how. Mm-hmm. And the motivational speaking career kind of just fell into my lap. I was working with IMG speakers at the time. I was doing Sandy Montag, who is now the Montag group. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, see, Joe, you know exactly who Sandy is. And, mm-hmm. you know, he helped jumpstart my career, got me into broadcasting as well, because I told him I wanted to do that. And I remember my first game I did with Chris Carlin in the spring game of uh, 2011 for Rutgers. I remember I jumped on there and I started talking all these football terms. He's like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Eric, I know football and I have no idea what you're saying. Like, you got to break it down football 101. Then I realized how much you have to talk and how much you need to study and know the game and players. You know, kind of, so that career, you know, helped me by learning from Chris, mentored me and guided me. And then just the motivational speaking crew, being able to share my story. And believe me, I was not the best at first. I used to speak a thousand miles per minute. Hold on, hold on, and I get points across. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn by many other mentors as well along my way. Yeah, and, th- and then part of that was uh, your, your foray into entrepreneurship. And there's a couple of examples of that with selling the merchandise and now the coffee business, which I think you started the beginning of this year. January, brand coffee. January yeah, year. so t- talk about that. I mean, did you feel like you had the instincts of an entrepreneur? I, d- I always felt like I had the leadership qualities, you know, being able to handle adversity, stay calm, make the right decisions or being able to adapt when adversity hits and something goes wrong and everyone's all in a fray. And I'm like, all right, everyone's looking at you. I feel like I've always had that. So I'm not, I'm not a guy that's afraid to really take a leap of faith. You know, I take my chances and usually if it, if it works great and if you don't, then you learn from it. That's mm-hmm. kind of always been my attitude. So that's when cool. I started Shop 52, I had done t-shirts over the years that people have created for me. You know, we usually do it for charity for my foundation, which we'll get into, Team Grant and the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation. So I kind of knew what, you know, what it's like selling merchandise. When I created Shop 52, I said, I want something for my own. Create my own design, create this and that. So I decided to partner up, obviously with a local apparel company. And I said, I want to create a shirt that represents me. Believe 52 is my motto. Everyone knows that if I want something different, what do people look to me as? A role model. So I remember I shared it with my friends. I'm like, I think I'm going to create a shirt called Role Model, R-O-L-L Model. But So kind of my little mix of me showing a little bit more of my goofy personality and whatnot. But my friends were like, Eric, you got to take the O out and put the handicap sign as the O. <laughs> and I was like, that's gold. Yeah. Like, that's gold. So I use my connections like I always do. I've built up some connections over the years. Stuff to some celebrity friends and sent them my t-shirts, told them when I was going to launch it that day. And me being the silly guy, I like to be humble. So I said, I'm only going to create 52 of these so I can sell 52. That's my number was 52. 
Well, those 52 went in the first 20 minutes. And next thing you know, I'm ordering more and ordering more now. There's role models and thousands upon thousands of them out there. So that's how I got this shop 52 business going in. It just was a special from there. That's crazy. Great story. And, and walk us through again, sometimes, you know, I've often said the title of my next book is going to be, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, talk about launching the coffee business. And we'll, we'll get into the, the charity before we go, obviously, but I want to hear a little bit about the coffee business. And then this really smart way that you played out the NIL side when NIL first launched with some prominent Rutgers athletes. How did those athletes, how did those two pieces tie together? Well, Joe, I'll tell you what. I've learned a whole lot in the past year when it comes to running a business and getting in, really diving into something that I didn't have the most knowledge on in the beginning. I never drank a cup of coffee until August of 2020. First cup of coffee I've ever had. So I remember last year when I was going through the pandemic and obviously I wasn't going out much because of secondary complications with spinal cord injuries. So I was thinking, how can I rebrand myself? People look to be motivation, inspiration. I have shot 52, but yes, you buy a t-shirt when you wear it every two, three, four weeks. How can I bring that inspiration, motivation, and positivity to someone every day? Well, what do people want and what do they need? Coffee. 85% of the world drinks coffee. Okay, Eric, now you got the you got a coffee idea. You got to try the product first to see even if you like it. I've had sips of coffee, but never actual cup. So I, I used a good friend of mine, John Archibald, who you know very well, Joe, who yes. yep, is our, our marketing director and pretty much business partners throughout everything now. But um, he had a connection with a local roaster who we partnered up with and I tried the coffee. Remember, I took a sip and I'm like, I was waiting for that bitterness to hit. And it never did. I'm like, whoa, this stuff is actually kind of good. And I started mixing the creamer flavor, all that stuff. And we went on from there. So then after that, I said, you know what? We have something here. And right away, I said, there's an opportunity in my downtown area in Woodbridge where they're building up, they're trying to build up my downtown area, building all these new apartment buildings, bringing in all these new demographic of people, trying to get the city living people that come right from the train from Woodbridge to New York City. I'm like, that's our spot. That's our retail. You got a 232 apartment unit right there. You got six retail spots. We have to have one of them. We only have a few Dunkins and a Starbucks in our town, not a local one. That's our spot. So I hired a business advisor from Portland called Blissimo, a coffee business advisor. Started taking courses, learning. Messed up a few times. I remember I, it took me three times to get through the one course. But I started learning and, you know, challenging myself, stepping out of my comfort zone and finally got to an appointment in December of last year where I said, I think we're ready to rock and roll. Here we go. And, you know, I'll, I'll save you know, a little bit more for the past year was having the ups and downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But yeah, last year, December, it was time to rock and roll and see where things were going to go. And I launched on January 12th, my niece's fifth birthday of 2021. Wow. So that was when you say launch, you mean the brand officially launched and the store opened? Not the store. So I said to myself, okay. the brick and mortar was going to take time. The building, okay. the construction was still going on downtown. But I don't want to wait that long. I announced it in December that I was opening up a coffee shop. After I worked it out, obviously, with the company and you know, signing the lease and whatnot. But I said, I want to build a brand. Let's start our online store. Let's sell this nationally before we even open our brick and mortar. I knew I had to reach. I had the connections. Let's build this. 
So I remember I bought my celebrity boxes, got a bunch of celebrity boxes made, designed to put the coffee in it and started to ship them out to all my celebrity friends throughout the country. Guys like Brian Cranston, Dwayne Wade, you know, people of those nature, Michael Strahan, and I said, you know, that's how I'm going to spread my word. And then I lost on January 12th with the online store. And let's just say we had about 800 orders in three days. And my roaster was not ready for that. And all hell broke loose, let's say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe, I'm picturing Brian Cranston as Walter White distributing LeGrand coffee throughout <laughs> New York. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's going to try to expand now beyond that, obviously. Yeah. Heisenberg. Where is it? <laughs> uh, hey, um, so Eric, uh, take us through the next step of that, which I mentioned you have an NIL partnership. You really had a smart way to go about NIL with some pretty smart uh, football and basketball players. Uh, and then also the opening of the store. And what was that like? Okay. So, uh, we're getting to the store part, but hey, do you want to hear it? I want to know if you guys want to hear the negative side of the story too. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. like the, 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 da- the yeah. doing entrepreneurial stuff is really hard. So I'm sure it wasn't right. easy along the way. Oh yeah. I would love to share with the viewers. So when like I said, yeah. we have those 800 orders coming and I'm using a local roaster who just doesn't have the equipment to keep up with the massive orders that are coming in. So now we're, we're 800 bags behind. We're about two weeks into the business and orders are still coming in. We're still about 700 orders behind. And now we're telling people I have to wait two weeks and things of that nature. And then I realized that I was getting charged way too much per bag, but I was giving my roasters since I was buying degrees and having him roasted and he was charging me a pretty penny and I didn't realize you know, my, my P&Ls, my profit losses and things like that, my margins, I didn't understand it. So I finally, a month into the business, I was getting, I'm like, all these orders are coming in, but my bank account does not look like what it should. And I had to make the decision to cut ties with my local roaster mm-hmm. that I did learn a lot from. And those first few months of learning about the business, we developed a relationship, but he, he didn't see the same vision that we had, and he didn't have the means to keep up with the demand. And I used my local, um, I mean, my business advisor, we found somebody else, things of that nature. And I'm always thankful for the knowledge that I learned, but I had to make my first tough business decision the first month into the business when I thought all my hair was going to turn gray because of how behind we were on orders. Wow. Um, did you catch up? Yes, we eventually caught up, thank God, about... I'm gonna lie, it took us probably about a month and a half to finally mm-hmm. catch up to the, to the demand in the beginning. But once I hooked up with uh, my other uh, roaster who had now you know, all the means and whatnot, it was just a smooth transition and now we're flowing. So I'm very thankful mm-hmm. for that. Joe, I was Is checking out, I was, I was checking ahead, out the, uh, that section of Eric's site and he sells a great t-shirt. I, I'm gonna order at least a couple of them. Uh, a daily, daily cup of believe. The Grand mm-hmm. Coffee. It's a great. It's a great T-shirt. That's our motto. We want to bring unity to the community with a daily yeah. cup of leave. It's that daily affirmation to go out there and attack you, attack your goals yeah. each day. But yeah, Joe, I would love to dive into the NIL for sure. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the athletes that you picked, how you picked them, and how that's gone, and then kind of segue into the the brick and mortar side of this business. Yet another big expense, I'm sure, and a learning experience. Oh yeah, but about so the NIL deals. When everything was, you know, when they just announced it back in June, July, whenever it was, about this is, I feel like a lot of businesses are scrambling and 
really not knowing what to do. And I was trying to learn too, like, okay, how do we go about it? And not gonna lie to you, in the beginning, a lot of time, the kids, they just wanted to get paid a little bit, whatever. They didn't really know their value and what they could do. They just wanted to be able to collect a check. But I said, I didn't want to just start jumping on to any old people you know, throughout the country. I'm like, you know what? Let's go to our home, Rutgers. That's my alumni, you know, where I went to school, my alumni, where I want to be able to take care of the athletes that are there now. So I said, who do I want to use? I'm like, who do I want to go after? And I said, I want this to be diverse. I don't want to just be all football players, all basketball players, all male, you know, or all female, no. So my first player I went to was a football guy, Bo Melton. Great player, star player. Kick who could have went anywhere. And the reason why we picked him because he could have went anywhere in the country to play, but he decided to stay home and be a leader for the Scarlet Knights and be able to – and it didn't transfer out, went through all the coaching changes, the ups and downs, and I'm like, that's someone who I want to represent the brand. From there, we expanded to – to women's soccer, who is in the Final Four right now. You know, mm-hmm. we all wanted to get an upcoming player, uprising player, may not be known, but showed, you know, special talent as a freshman. So, Bruno Sam Kroger went over to field hockey, who made it all the way to the Elite Eight, and also won the Big Ten Championship this year. Gianna Mancini brought her on. But the number one guy that I really wanted to get is Gio Baker from the men's basketball team because of how much he used his voice in order to get this pass to the NCAA for the NIL deals and help mm-hmm all the college athletes throughout the entire country. He was one of the main forces for that. And I wanted to make sure we had him a part of the Grand Coffee House team. So that's kind of how I made my decision on the athletes. We got a few more as well, wrestling, and another football player. How's it gone with the athletes? Oh, it's been great. You know, it's, honestly, it's, not, it's nothing too crazy. You know, obviously, uh, you, you, you give them some money and, and help you promote your brand. But whenever, you know, they need coffee and or things like that, I tell you, you know, you call us up, let's keep the relationship flowing. You know, I want to be able to take care of you and your family, whatever you guys need from, from us, you know, give them you know, some commission off of their sales, things like that. So, you know, it's cool. It's, it's been nice to be able to, to work with them. And I feel like they're my younger brothers and sisters because they're right here. So it's been just a nice relationship to have. And whenever they, you know, that's something where wherever they need something, we could do with them. And also when I had the brick and mortar open, I want to have them out. I want to be able to have events for them. That's great. Eric, by the way, just on the, on the general topic of NIL, what are your thoughts on that as an ex elite college athlete? Are, are you, are you really glad it's here? Are you, are you, are you liking what you're seeing so far? I am. I think there's still a lot to learn. Obviously we're going to see a lot of things that happen that are good and bad for the business. These business businesses are taking a big risk. You know, I think we kind of seen what happened with, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, where he was like the Heisman number one pick supposedly this year, but unfortunately he got his job taken. Meanwhile, in the beginning, he was getting six-figure checks thrown at him from these companies. So it's going to be a learning process. And I say the biggest thing that the athletes need to do is either use the university to, to hire a financial advisor or just be able to lean on somebody because you don't want all this money coming in and you don't have the means are necessary to understand what you need to do, like pay your taxes and things like that. So I think it's, I think it's good. I would love, I wish it was going around when I was growing up because you know what I would do to love to have a camp in my hometown, a football camp for the kids, be able to make a few bucks from it, be able to, you know, help the kids in my, my neighborhood learn football and stuff like that. That I love that idea, things like that. So 
Hey, I think the world, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. I think um, Gatorade just signed a UConn women's basketball player. I saw that page. Yeah. Right. I just saw that. So the first yeah. athlete. So I think, you know, right now it's, it's just, it's to the moon with all these deals, but I think, right. so I think it's going to be Let me ask both of you guys this question. Joe and Eric, who are advising the student athletes? Because they don't necessarily have agents, obviously. Um, they may have parents who help them. They may have a coach who helps them. But the coach has a lot of you know, young athletes to worry about. But so who's the primary advisory team for these college athletes so far? And, 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 that's, the, and that's the thing, Tom. We don't know yeah. who's advising them. But and you hope that they take it upon themselves. Obviously, right. in the university, when you have the tutors, tutors that you have, the academic support team, you can lean on that. I would, if I was, I would lean on that. Like, hey, can you hook me up with someone in the, you know, the finance department to help me with this? Or you might even be able to get it for not you know, like a low rate if you have a tutor that can help you that way. Some may have family members, but you always got to be, be careful there because family doesn't know everything. And sometimes family will take your money. So it's a lot right now of the unknown on who's actually advising. All these guys, you just hope that they have someone in their corner that's doing their justice and doing them right. Yeah. Eric, you, you seem to have a pretty serious Twitter game and a pretty serious YouTube game going. I was checking that out, like 172,000 on Twitter and almost 2,000 people subscribing to your YouTube channel. Did you teach yourself how to be good in social media? Is that another thing you've picked up along the way? I guess it's part of my millennial generation, you know. 31 years old, kind of tech savvy, I guess, for the, for the most part. But, you know, being able to just express myself on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and, you know, YouTube videos. And the main thing with the YouTube videos that, we, that John Archibald and I wanted to create was diving in, in between the back, you know, the back scenes of my life that people don't see every day. And, you know, people always see me in a picture or, or what's going on, but they don't see how I got there. How, you know, during the whole, all, you know, just interactions with people and things of that nature. So I want to take people behind the scenes. But Twitter, I like to have fun on there. I like to share my sports. I like to joke around a little bit, even joke around with my spinal cord injury. I, I've noticed that that you know, one time where you joke around about spinal, I always had hashtag spinal cord problems. Like I got an itch on my nose, can't scratch. Hashtag spinal cord problems. Or, Damn, the TV's too loud right now. What? I could turn it down. Hashtag smart core problem. And people say, you know, they love to see, you know, your personality a little bit. So I enjoy, you know, being able to express myself on social media platforms and just giving people a good laugh and smile because you need it because there's so much negativity on there. So yeah. I can be yeah. that light. That's what I try to do. So the, the next phase uh, before, obviously, we get to our last questions and, and we've got a couple more, but take us through Team Legrand and the charity and how it came about, how it works, who's on your team, um, and kind of the, you know, the, the goals as, as you've laid this out as an entrepreneur and as a philanthropist. Yeah, so the philanthropy side obviously is near and dear to me because I'm fighting for something that I need, a cure for paralysis and a better quality of life. So but it was around 2012 where I realized so many people were still supporting me, Joe, still you know, wishing me well and things like that. So I'm like, like, what can we do to help? So I remember talking, having a conversation with my mom, like, mom, I think it's time for us to start our own foundation. Like people are always asking for it. Like, what can they do to help? And I was, I'm like, mom, remember Chris Brandana Reeve Foundation? They were 
there for me from day one, always reaching out, wanting to help. And then I'm like, Mom, you don't like this, Joe. Who is Christopher and Dana Reeve? Mm. And my mom was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, am I supposed to know? They're like, the original Superman in the 90s, and I mean, the 80s, and the 90s, 70s, whatever. So my mom, mm. I was born in 1990. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. And then I do my research, and I'm like, whoa. Probably should know who Superman is, and I learned all about their foundation and things of that nature, and I decided to partner with them and become a fundraising branch of the Christopher and Nana Reed Foundation when we created Team LeGrand, and we launched in uh, fall of 2013, I'm proud to say. We've raised over $2 million since Spinal Queen Internal Research since our inception, and the, we wanted, uh, the motto at the Reed Foundation is today's care, tomorrow's cure. So we always want to focus on, obviously, finding a cure. Well, we got to take care of the people that are dealing with this right now. Education, education about spinal cord injuries, grants for different um, rehabs and facilities to do different, um, you know, functional things to help people enhance their quality of life. But, you know, you still got to keep on funding cures. And with the way that technology is going nowadays, I truly believe that we'll be able to live Christopher E's dream. That's a world of empty wheelchairs. And I feel like that torch was passed along to me now that he passed away back was about 15, 16 years ago, but I'm doing whatever I can to be able to help and motivate the 5.6 million people that are dealing with some sort of paralysis and mainly give them hope. Yeah. Eric, what, what are the main uh, events and endeavors that you use to raise the money? So I have a 5K, a walk to believe. We just have our 11th annual 5K, a walk to believe. And geez, that's bought, gotta be over now, six, $700,000 towards that 2 million. And it's been a, it's fun. We do a 5K right at the Rutgers football stadium around Bush campus. We get, you know, a few thousand people that come out every year and we have like a little carnival festival during it. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a big fun family, family event. So that we do that every year, which has been great. We do an evening with Eric LeGrand where we partnered up with New Rose Financial who are big Rutgers alumni and fans and everything Rutgers. So they partner up with it. We do an evening with Eric LeGrand where we have hors d'oeuvres and we have a silent auction and a live auction. And tell you what, they cover their expenses at this uh, beautiful golf course called Fiddler's Elbow here in Bedminster. And while wow, we've raised over G's now, that closed in on $500,000, which has been amazing. But I like to do little events as well. Because I said, when it comes to spinal cord injuries, they don't discriminate. They can happen to anybody at any given time, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I stepped out of my comfort zone and I had CKL kickboxing events. Zumba events, yoga events, uh, flag football tournament. So all these little things that continue to, to bring awareness to the cause and get people behind it. I want to bring more stories out and keep on raising funds along the, along the time while having fun. Amazing. Good for you for doing that. Um, so I have one more before we get to our final two, Tom. Um, as you look forward as a business person, entrepreneur, you now have the coffee business up and running, brick and mortar coming, um, your t-shirt business. What other businesses are you watching? Like what, what intrigues you? You know, we, we, we throw around all those initials, whether it's NFT, whether it's crypto. Um, now the metaverse obviously is now kind of dominated everything that we're doing. But, but what are some of the things that you have your eye on that, that you as Eric LeGrand entrepreneur um, may want to be involved with going forward? I got a few things in mind, Joe. I can't. Give them all, well, let's say I'm not heavily into the crypto world and the NFTs, I guess not yet. 
even I was like, you, you get in now, get in now. Not heavily invested into all of that really much now, but I got some things on my mind and can I say maybe have to involve maybe a nice adult beverage. How about that? There you go. I got some things on my mind that I'm working on. I really believe yeah. it's going to be cool. special. So just I'll leave it there. Okay. Cool. Relate, related to that, Joe, let me ask Eric, if, if, if you, you know, you have such a huge profile. Do you get inbounds? Do you get people coming to you, pitching you to do new businesses and new initiatives? Oh, I have, believe me, I get random emails of people just, you know, sending things like, oh, or will you help me promote this? Or you want to be right. a part of this? And, you know, a lot of times you're just like, where's this person coming from? What is this all about? Right. Yeah, you want to help people, but sometimes you just don't know enough about it. And you don't have enough time to spend on. So, yeah, I've been approached. I've got a part of a business that didn't work out. You know, that I wanted to give back and help people. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. So you live and learn on certain things, but yeah. I've been approached quite a few times with different opportunities here and there, but you know, wow. just kind of do my own thing. Nice, cool. Tom, you want to take us through our final two? Yeah. Um, well, we gave you fair warning, Eric. We're going to ask you two questions that we ask every guest. Uh, the first is about how you stay smart. What are you listening to? What are you reading? Who are you talking to to keep up on your diverse interests in philanthropy and business and coffee? uh and and everything else you're working on right now yeah during uh during uh covid and you know i got my hibernation period um i started to pick up audio books and the one main book that inspired me to do this coffee business was shoe dog phil knight oh i read it yeah, the creator of nike yeah. how about that story amazing the, the way that he created nike swoosh on the fly on the top of his head because of some investors asked him what it looked like you know it's the sound that it makes when you run past somebody now look how much money Nike Swoosh has sold or how he wanted to call it Falcon or D D Generation X, whatever it was. If yeah. Somebody had a dream one night and they called it Nike. You hear stories like that and you're like, what? Like how? So that was one that really inspired me. I listened to David Goggins' book. You know, that was a good one on how that man is just insane and just his toughness, but his mental fortitude really inspired me. I even got the verse and listened to Carly Lloyd. The women's mm -hmm. national soccer player, her story. She's a good friend of mine. I wanted to really dive in and know her more and how she just goes out there each and every day for so many years and going after greatness when all odds were against her. She wasn't supposed to be there. That type of stuff inspires me. But I do things every day on a daily basis that keep me going and keep me focused. And that's one I do a crossword puzzle every morning. I try on my phone just to keep my mind sharp and a lot of people don't know. Some people do that close to me, but I've been learning Spanish for the past two years. That's and great. I, and I'm trying to, you know, as much as I can. I don't have a lot of people to conversate with, but I haven't missed a day of Duolingo in the past two and a half years. And I have a tutor that I work with once a week out in Columbia. So I try to um, keep just keep my mind sharp on that. That's, that's amazing. Good for you. Um, and then and then finally, um, I mean, in essence, a, a, a lot of what you've already said and a lot of your message is, is, is advice uh, generally dis, uh, generally defined. But is there any specific advice when you're, when you're talking, let's say, to folks graduating from Rutgers or other schools, particularly younger people as they're embarking on their professional journeys? I'll tell them, learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. 
yes, you're going to feel uncomfortable situations. You're going to second guess yourself. You're going to go all these different thoughts. Don't be afraid to take the leap of faith. And don't be afraid to learn on the fly. Sometimes you need to get thrown into the fire. And you can, as long as you can prepare yourself along the way and through it, that's how you learn. A lot of times people will read all these books. They'll study this and study that. And still things don't work out for people. So don't be afraid to take that leap of faith. But knowing that if you do jump in that fire, you have to give it your all. And sometimes you may get burned, but don't be afraid to bounce back. And I try to leave people with a definition of success I'll leave you guys with. The definition of success that I use that was embedded in my head at Rutgers was the peace of mind you get knowing you did everything you could to be the best you could be. I'll say it one more time. The peace of mind you get knowing you did everything you could to be the best you can be. You can only, you're the only one who can tell yourself that at the end of the day. And if you got willing to wake up the next morning and you didn't give it y'all that day, say, you know what, today, I'm going to make it my best day. Start adding those days up over and over and over. Watch where your life takes you. Wow. Your daily cup of believe, Joe. I love it. <laughs> I really good. It's, um, you know, I've been, I, I've been a, a, a devotee for a long time listening to you on the radio and, and watching you speak several times and, uh, they actually dragged Eric to the NYVC sports event at Ad Week, which is, I was very glad that that worked out on NIL, Tom, and then, um, you know, has led us to today and, and hopefully a lot of things were, hopefully at some point we can actually get together in person. Uh, and obviously we'd love to have you on campus again too, you know, which would be tremendous for us as well. And our, and our pleasure more than yours. So, yeah. Yeah. so um, love to be a part of it. Yeah. Lastly, but, um, Give us all the places where, where people can find you and Team Legrand, uh, pick up a cup of coffee and a couple of t-shirts and and be inspired while they're walking around on their own. Well, you can okay. go to my yeah, you can go to my sure. my, coffee, my coffee website is legrandcoffeehouse.com. That's L-E-G-R-A-N-D coffeehouse.com. My website is ericlegrand52.com, 52. So ericlegrand52.com. My organization, Team Legrand, that's teamlegrand.org. You'll be a part of it. And those are all the places that you can find me easily on social media, Eric LeGrand 52. So come join the fun, come be a part of our journey and always believe. Cool. Wow. Eric, thank you so much. That was amazing. I appreciate Thanks you for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Time you want to wrap us up? Yeah. Well, we've been having an amazing conversation with Eric LeGrand and we urge everyone to who's listening to go check out Eric's endeavors, particularly the uh, charity uh, and uh, also the coffee, uh, but the other stuff he's working on too, because it's, it's, it's obviously going to a good cause and it's nice to know you're supporting something that's so critically important. Um, and Eric, talk about inspiration. Um, one, of the, one of the best I've, I've gotten the pleasure to meet during all these podcasts. So thank you again. Um, Joe, we continue. Um, to find amazing people that will inspire many. So I'm really glad you were able to arrange this particular meeting and show. So thank you for yeah. that. Thanks to this, Sam um, Connor for producing behind the scenes. Yeah, new, 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 new names, by the way, Sam and Connor is as this is the first of our transition, by the way. So welcome Sam and Connor. Um, yeah, we'll but, give them uh, a little more official welcome maybe next time when we have a couple more minutes, but um, yeah, that was great. Thank you guys, appreciate it. Um, and Eric, I'll just reiterate what Joe said, when we're past this um, unpleasant period of our history, uh, we'd love to see you at Columbia sometime. 
I mean, it could be really uh, amazing if you got to visit the campus and talk to everybody there. We'll love that. I mean, that would be amazing. I would really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for the offer. That's great. Joe, cool. great show. Thank you. Yep. And once again, this has been the Cusp Show for Joe Favorito. For, no, I'm Joe Favorito for Tom Richardson. Uh, I'm Joe Favorito. I forgot who I was for a second, and we'll see you down the road.